The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Negotiate Real Change podcast, where we highlight leaders who are creating positive change in their organizations. The more we talk to leaders in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, the more we started to recognize the patterns of successful change makers within organization. What we found is that when it comes to creating positive change, simply being a passionate professional who's armed with data, statistics, and research is rarely enough to create real change. So in this show, we'll share the secrets behind what it really takes for you to be a successful advocate, ally, and change maker in your organization. My name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, where we conduct negotiation and conflict resolution trainings that help to make your difficult conversations easier. We also conduct trainings in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion because we realize that there's a difference between passion and persuasion. And if you want to create real change, you have to be able to negotiate and resolve the conflict that comes with change. And if if you're interested in learning more about what we do, make sure to check out the American Negotiation Institute.com or check the link in the description of this episode. And now, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Rich, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you having me, Kwame. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. Well, how about we start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So by day, I'm an internal communications and change management specialist at Google, uh, supporting the staffing organization. Uh, by night and weekend, I'm a podcaster. I help people navigate careers and personal finance at, over at Paychecks and Balances. And, uh, you know, I've been in the podcast game for about uh, seven years now. And uh, I was telling you before the show that today marks one year in my uh, change management and internal communications position. So it's also a monumentous occasion, even though we're also in some hashtag difficult times. Yeah, seriously. Well, first of all, kudos on your anniversary. Um, that's, that's, that is something to be celebrated. Um, actually, it's our anniversary week, me and Whitney. Um, 10 years on Friday. So you better go, you better, uh, do some shopping, bro. I know. I know <laughs> if I want to make it another 10. Well, yeah, this is, um, perfect timing actually uh, for having you on the show to talk about some of uh, the things that are going on. And, and for the listeners, I really want to make sure that you all are prepared. And that's why you noticed there wasn't an episode on Wednesday or Friday, cause I was trying to figure out what to do. Um, about this. So we had an event on, on Friday that went well, and I want to make sure that I'm not tone deaf and I'm not avoiding this conversation. So I want to give you something now. So it is um, Monday, June 7th, is it now? 8th. June 8th. And it's so all the, blending together, man. All the days really, are blending together. It really is. And so this is the day it's going live. So typically with our episodes, we keep it within uh, like under 30 minutes. Um, but this one, I'm expecting it to be a little bit more conversational and a little bit more raw because, again, I want to get you this content quickly and is going live today. So we're going to talk to Rich about what it looks like within our organizations, these difficult conversations about race, justice, and, and potential changes that we make within our companies. How do we have those conversations? And so we're just going to have an open dialogue about this and, and see where it goes. But I guess we'll start off, Rich, with talking about what you've seen in the company, what types of conversations are happening now? 
uh, a lot of conversations. It's been very interesting because on one hand, I'm curious to see what it would be like to be in the office experiencing this, but then the reality is that we're all virtual right now. And uh, I have felt very supported by my immediate manager, my manager's manager. Uh, there's been a lot of communications from uh, leadership around what's been happening uh, over the past couple of weeks and honestly, decades, centuries for that matter. So I, I do think that there's uh, probably a, a bit more commitment to uh, addressing these issues where I work than maybe what would be the case in some other companies. And I've noticed that those people are talking about a lot of different resources. And then uh, employees also do have a lot of uh, freedom to kind of speak their their mind there as well. And so I'm seeing a lot about uh, how can we have conversations with our uh, managers? How can we have, how can we equip managers to be able to have conversations with their teams around diversity, inclusion, racial injustice, toolkits, all of these different things. Uh, folks, setting up time to get together to go to a protest. So I actually went to a protest on Friday and there was a section where it was all folks that worked at Google. So it's been uh, super interesting to see the level of support and the level of activism in the workplace, given that a lot of the past environments I've been in, it's been a little bit more restrictive and, uh, and leadership has been a little bit more quiet because they didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's focus on that, the aspect of feeling supported, uh, because based on my friends and, and clients and, and whatnot, there, there have been differing degrees of feelings of supportedness, right? And so for you, in your experience, in your role, what is it that other people have said or done that made you feel supported? They listened. That was the biggest thing by far last week because uh, my manager, my manager's manager, uh, they're both white women. And I was having a conversation with uh, one of them and they just straight up acknowledged that, hey, this has not been my reality. I am learning a lot right now. I don't just want to pay you lip service. I just want to hear what you're feeling, whatever you're comfortable sharing. I may have a question or two. I may not, but I just want to know where you are right now because the primary thing for me, is your health and well-being. And uh, I found that to be particularly helpful uh, and kind of put me at ease because when we run into situations like this, a lot of times it ends up feeling like it's a burden on, on us, Black people in this case, to try to educate and to have to explain and, and make it clear why things are the way they are. Whereas in uh, this particular case, I didn't feel that it was on me to have to do uh, any of that education. I felt like I was listened to and uh, it was even suggested that, hey, if you need to take uh, some time off just to be able to get your yourself together because you're, you're struggling, please do that. Don't feel like you need to show up and appear in meetings and act like you're enthusiastic when there's really nothing to be enthusiastic about right now. And I do think that the company has been uh, pretty good about that, saying, hey, we know that this is not business as usual. And so that acknowledgement has gone a long way, even though there ultimately is still a lot of work to be done. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think that brings up one of the, the major concerns that I've heard from a lot of people um, where they say, I don't know how to be supportive. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And uh, I think what you just shared en encapsulates really the heart of it. You need to do or say something. It has to be something. And even if having that conversation starts off with, 
listen, I don't know your experience and I have a lot to learn. And frankly, I don't know what to say, but I want to let you know that I care about you and I'm here to support you. Just even starting off like that is incredibly helpful. And then you just parlay that into the second part, which is listening, but you can't listen until you had the conversation. And I think really that's, it's really that simple. You just begin those dialogues and you'll learn a lot and it increases the level of connectedness. Yeah. And there are situations where you don't say anything. And this is just in general where you probably should keep thoughts to yourself. But I have found more times than not that when things are serious and uh, people are looking to you for guidance or you or you feel in your heart that let's say a project is going down the wrong path, but you don't want to say anything because you don't want to say the wrong thing things usually go wrong anyway. When you try to avoid, things usually go wrong. And I think in the climate that we're in now, and hopefully this is the way that it continues to go going forward, where there's a bit more openness and receptiveness to various perspectives and thoughts, and uh, more importantly, understanding that uh, people are coming from a good place. And so even as I was doing a little bit of education for folks last week, I was like, you know what? It is okay if you don't get this perfect. Yes, there's going to be somebody on social media who's going to complain. There's always going to be somebody on social media who complains. You're not going to get 10,000 likes for everything you say, but silence is not acceptable. You have to say something, anything, because, because right now more than ever, people want to know where you stand. Exactly. And for those listeners out there who are struggling with having the difficult conversation where where they don't know what to say, and it's awkward, it's emotional, it's heavy. I understand that. Not surprisingly, (laughs) we made a free guide about how to handle that. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash justice, you can download a free negotiation guide that walks you through how to have those difficult conversations about race because it's not easy. And um, we put a link down there in the description too, uh, so you can get access to that. So people are craving information on this. And I think you coming on the show here is really helpful um, because especially as it relates to difficult conversations about race in the workplace, people are walking on eggshells. Yeah. And I think one thing that I try to be cognizant of is that I'm in Silicon Valley, uh, a pretty liberal area overall at a large tech company that is trying to be more inclusive and make sure that diversity is top of mind. And so my experience is not the experience of a lot of people across the country and across the world. I happen to work somewhere where there are so many resources available and there's, there are so many inclusivity trainings and even programs around racial injustice and even being able to donate and have, and have the company match your donation. That is not the experience for a lot of people, particularly outside of the Bay Area. So I do want to call that out because someone may be listening to this and saying, oh, okay, you know, every, everyone's happy and everyone feels supported. This just happens to be my experience, but this is not the case for, for people at a lot of other companies. Right, right, absolutely. And the, and the thing is, when the culture does not encourage or give resources for how to have these conversations, everybody struggles. And I think a lot of times we make the mistake of focusing only on people of color, on on the fact that it has an impact on them, but it has an impact on everybody because it's top of mind for everybody. And if they don't feel like they can express themselves, it's going to be really difficult for people to connect because there's the elephant in the room, but we're not talking about it because we don't know how to. And so let's say there's a company out there who has yet to figure out exactly their voice 
in this. And based on your experience in an environment that's more inclusive and has done a really good job of being proactive, where would you say would be like the first place for them to start in creating that environment? Authenticity is key. I I think what's really important, uh, if you don't know what to write in an email, and and this might work more so at smaller companies. I'm And I'm also thinking of when we're in normal state where we're all in an office and you can have an all hands meeting with everyone in one room, whereas now it's 60 tiles looking at you while you're talking on a Zoom or on a uh, Google chat or something like that. But I I think it's important that you start with what are you authentically feeling and showcasing some vulnerability. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Brene Brown and her books. I'm actually listening to uh, Dare to Lead right now. And I think instead of trying to get it right, and of course, you've got to consider business context and bottom line and assume that anything you say will get leaked. But first, you need to understand like what you believe in and what you're for as a person, what you want the company to be about and, and the company to be for. And it is okay to speak aspirationally because when you speak aspirationally, you're also acknowledging that there is a lot of work to be done. So I don't think you immediately need to go and create a task force. I know some companies do that and it, and it feels kind of cliche and like lip service. You know, now we're pulling together a committee. Uh, you don't need to just go put up one Black Lives Matters tweet and then uh, consider the work done because that's not the work done. <laughs> you know, there, there is still so much more that needs to happen after that. And I think Uh, In addition to speaking honestly about how you're feeling and even being able to acknowledge you don't have the right words, uh, that can that that can resonate with people because it comes across as human and making yourself available to listen and hear perspectives. I think that that's uh, super in super important, too versus just not talking about it. And I, and I think part of what we're seeing now, and, I, and I've, see, I've seen this come up uh, a lot more recently, is uh, performative activism. Have, have you heard that term? Yeah, but can you uh, let the audience know what it is and, and what your thoughts are on it? Now, I have not looked up the formal definition, but I know what it looks like because when I see a, a brand who's always uh, posted one way, suddenly post one message and say Black Lives Matter. And it's very clear that they're trying to position themselves in this economy and in this market to not lose business versus this is what they truly feel. Uh, you, you could almost call it checkbox activism, too, where someone's like, I shared a post. So, you know, I'm fully down and I fully support or I sent an email out to my list this week. So, you know, that means that uh, I'm fully on board or, well, you know, we sent an email out to employees. And this is something I've seen a lot of companies do and get it wrong just from conversations that I've had with friends this past week where the company sends out a note uh, denouncing racial injustice, violence, talking about how it's wrong but they don't state any next steps. And it really just feels like a one-off, like, you know, an obligatory email that we have to get out to pacify folks. And we're just going to keep on moving business as usual. Whereas when you're communicating in an environment like this, you you acknowledge that this is going to take work and it's going to be something that's going to be top of mind over the long haul. And there are some action steps or some next steps that you're thinking about, which you should share with folks. And 
I do think it's okay in some context to say, hey, I don't have all the answers right now, or we don't have all the answers right now, but it's something that we're actively thinking about. We'll continue to speak with staff and we'll have an update for you within the next two weeks or whatever it is. So I think that works too versus the performative, here's my one note of solidarity or here's my one tweet or my one post, and then you're never to be heard from again on the topic. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's a critical element. And you think about it, not just in terms of companies, but just in terms of relationships in general. If you are in a relationship with somebody, a friend, a romantic relationship, whatever, and um, you might apologize for something, but your behavior doesn't really change, then really, what was the point of that apology? You're just checking a box for the sake of the relationship because you don't want to lose position, but you aren't really doing anything to improve your position in, in that relationship. And I think what we also have to recognize is that sometimes it looks from the outside that this is just a criminal justice type of issue. And it's, it's really not, this is a, an opportunity for us to really spark deeper conversations about race in the workplace, just in general, because if we're, for instance, at Google, I mean, I don't know what you're, you're doing, but I would be surprised if, it's something about like police reform, something like that. There's, no, there's going to be exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have a limited impact in that regard, right? And so I think what we have to recognize is our unique position in the marketplace, our unique position in society, and figure out what it is that we can do as individuals and as companies to create change. And one of the things that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs are, I'm seeing they're they're posting about, or people who are business leaders, is that um, this is an opportunity for us to have discussions about economic empowerment, about diversity at at the various levels of a company. Because oftentimes what you see is it might have higher levels of diversity at the lower levels, but then as you get higher, there's less and less diversity. And so maybe the conversation isn't about criminal justice in your organization, but it's saying, hey, this is a reminder. We should probably revisit those conversations about inclusivity and diversity at the different levels. And so I just want to encourage people to not feel disempowered because of the fact that you might not be able to have a specific voice and lead to specific change in this specific area as it relates to criminal justice. But given your position in your company and your position in your community, you have an ability to have these difficult conversations about race and, and lead to positive change in your unique area. Yeah. And I think everybody has an opportunity to influence. Even if you're a frontline employee at one of these companies, you have an opportunity to influence. I mean, even just influencing one colleague or influencing your manager. I mean, heck, I've seen people, uh, and I know I talked about performative (laughs) posting, and, and I don't think of this quite in that vein, but I've seen people raise money by sharing links to resources or saying, hey, folks, here's all of the resources that are available. And then folks jumping on and donating hundreds and thousands of, of dollars because somebody said, hey, this is really important to me. So that influence doesn't have to just happen at the office. It can also happen in your personal life and within your personal networks as well. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that in addition to our usual negotiation and conflict resolution focused trainings that we do for corporations, we also have added content focused on how to have difficult conversations about race. And so what we're doing is we're blending my background in civil rights along with my background in negotiation and conflict resolution to create a one of a kind training that is customized for your organization that helps you get through these difficult conversations. If you're interested, make sure to check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the episode. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. 
In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Absolutely. And so let's say this. Now we're in a company. We've decided, okay, we're going to do something. We've said something publicly. And now we're talking about next steps. What can you say about commitment to those next steps? Because sometimes uh, people have complained about, hey, we have a lot of positive momentum and we say, yes, we're going to do X, Y, Z, then it doesn't happen. And when it comes to change management, what can you do to make sure that you don't lose the momentum when the media cycle changes? Oh, you need to commit to regular updates. I don't care if it's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, you need to commit to providing regular updates on that progress because people, that question is going to come up. And I think uh, a lot of folks will start from a place of skepticism because a lot of times at companies, something has momentum and it's rah, rah, rah. And maybe not so much in the context of what we're talking about now, but it's rah, rah. Yes, we want to do this thing. We want to make this thing happen. And then a few months later, it's like, whatever happened to that thing that we were talking about? But even within the change management context, we have you know plans and timelines and roadmaps laid out where it's very clear to see what the checkpoints are and what it is that we're committing to. And so maybe you don't have everything figured out from the past couple of weeks or what, or what you're going to be doing for the weeks or months coming ahead. But you can say, we plan to revisit this at our next meeting or at our next all hands, whatever it is in two weeks or uh, a month from now. And I think putting that deadline on it creates accountability for self and to the company and also lets employees know that it's, it's something that you are holding yourself accountable for and that they can expect to hear from you. And so you do need to take action over the course of that time period because you've committed to it. I really like that. I really like that. And I think when you think about it in terms of a negotiation, and that's what this show is all about. If you're somebody who's trying to figure out a way to make change within your company, yes, it's good to have the conversations, number one. Then it's great to get people to say, yes, we're going to do this, number two. But uh, a deal is nothing without true commitment. And I think committing yourself to regular updates, I think that's a critical element that a lot of people are missing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, I mean, a lot of us have probably seen a a flurry of emails over the past uh, couple of weeks. uh, And again, are probably wondering, is this flurry going to continue? And I'll admit that personally, something about this time around does feel different. I'm not quite sure what it is. I mean, there have been police injustice incidents for years upon years now. And uh, we've been talking about change. Politicians have campaigned on change and something about what I've experienced over the past couple of weeks does feel different. So uh, I I am uh, optimistic or as optimistic that I can be that this isn't going to be a a flurry. And then we know when the protesting stops, it's going to go back to business as usual. I I think we are going to see a a much more uh, sustained change and sustained effort because people and companies are having their feet put to the fire right now. 
Absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit more on the individual level within a company. So if you're an individual and you're in a position where you have to have these difficult conversations about race, what are some of those mistakes that people often make that cause more harm than, than good? Oh, this is a tough one because I'm trying to think about uh, what I have felt <laughs> in the past and uh, and things that people have said to me trying to be helpful. And I did extend that grace to know that they're um, trying to help. But when when people say things like, I know it must be tough for what's happening in your community, it, it kind of distances them mm. from it a bit like or I I know this must be be tough for your people (laughs) which hopefully we know at this point that saying things like your people or you people uh (laughs) is not going to cut it and and, and that's not going to work I think also not addressing it or or um proceeding business as usual when you know that things aren't okay or that when you know that people do have a uh a a particular uh topic in mind I've seen folks do that as well uh I, I also I also think some folks will I want to say people rely on on their natural instincts when they get nervous and uncomfortable. And so sometimes that's folks, you know, they're they're trying to make jokes and the jokes are happening at a really uh, untimely moment or uh, they're trying to be super positive or uh, they normally say, hey, how was your weekend? But knowing what's going on now, now they come in and don't say anything at all. And even though and I'm someone who hates that. How was your weekend question? I get into work and I'm grumpy. I don't want to talk for the first couple of hours <laughs> and it would annoy me. But I would tell you now, if I went into the office now and somebody who always asked me, how was my weekend then did not ask me, I would notice that. And it will come off to me as avoidance of, of the issue. And I think that that avoidance is, is a big theme that is palpable and that can make people feel uh, really uh, isolated versus uh, moments of acknowledgement. So real quick story. One of the most impactful moments that I had in my career was uh, with the manager. I think it was 2014, 2015. It was after another police-involved shooting. I can't remember which one it was. But uh, the manager in a team meeting spoke very candidly about how how he felt, how he stood with us, and uh, he got emotional. And I've probably not felt seen at that level in many other situations. I mean, probably with my current manager now and the folks that I work with now, I feel it. But for a span of years, I did not feel that visible and that understood as I did in that moment where that manager spoke very candidly to the whole team and said, and said to everybody, this is wrong. This is not okay. We need to do better. I want to do better. How do I help? And that ties back to that. Uh, authenticity and vulnerability that I talked about earlier, where I still felt sad at the time about what was happening in the world, but then I also felt supported and I saw someone physically you know, and emotionally <laughs> communicating what was on their mind in a way that felt true and honest and not just like lip service, because uh, lip service, people can see it and read through it all the time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And there was so much good in there. Let's let's focus on a couple of things. So when you talked about the your community type of language, because I think a lot of well-meaning people can can use that and they might miss what the problem is with that. So as an educational opportunity, can you tell us a little bit more about how you interpreted that? Because when it's your, it's not my problem. So and I know this must be tough for your community. No, this, if, if you care, yes, you don't have my exact experience, but this should be difficult for you too. And 
it might sound like splitting hairs and you know I, I i probably can't get into specific wording and i don't even know how that would be productive but it's that angling of it must be really tough for for uh your community right now or hey as opposed to saying hey i understand that there's probably a lot on your mind right now and uh, i really want to be here to support you so it's it's kind of showing that like you're there and you're supportive uh and as opposed to saying I acknowledge that you know things are happening over there. That there are things that are you're struggling with in in your world, and then kind of leaving it at that because it, it almost sounds like othering in a way where it's like I'm on the outside and I see that you're struggling over there. Versus, uh, I know that you have a lot going on. This impacts me too, and I want to be part of helping to change or solve whatever the issue is. Absolutely, and I, I know there might be some people out there who are saying, "Oh no, I said your community." <laughs> oh no, but don't. Don't worry about it. And, and I think yeah. this is really important because that's not the kind of thing that will sink you in this conversation. You're not, you're not going to lose, lose the conversation or lose a friend or a relationship because of that. But it's something really important to be mindful of because there has to be a collaborative approach because we always talk about in negotiation, trying to be collaborative and whatnot. Um, but here in these conversations, I think it's really important to be, be as collaborative as we can to let people know that, hey, we're in this together. Yes, there's a different impact that you will have felt versus me, but I feel it too. And I want to work with you. And I think this is an opportunity for us to come together and use these difficult conversations as an opportunity to pull relationships closer. And that collaborative language is, is one of the keys to doing it. Yeah. And the other thing that I was just thinking about is I think about the situations where I extend grace and there's a difference where when I have a good rapport with somebody and then they make a misstep in terms of how they say something and the way that I respond to that where I'm like, you know what? I know where this person stands. I know they meant well. I've been interacting with John, Lamont, Ted, Susan, other names that you could make up for a, a, a long time now. And uh, I ultimately know that they're a good person at their core and that they're not trying to hurt me. Versus when you're hearing from maybe a leader or someone who you, who you don't have much interaction with, or maybe you haven't heard from that person before, and then they reach out and they start with that misstep. While, yes, you still want to extend grace and understand that uh, people aren't perfect, there is a different reception when that connection doesn't already exist. So I wanted to call that out because it talks about the importance of how you build relationships, even if you are a senior leader in an organization, but and how you connect with your people. Um, not just in terms of a frequency perspective, but also in a a, a tone and, and how you present yourself and, and how you come off. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of digging into tone, I think the biggest thing that we need to recognize is the the magic of humility in general, but especially in this conversation, because some of the, the conversations that I've had recently, the, the ones that I've appreciated the most are the ones that say, listen, I don't know what's what your experience is. I don't really know what to say. Um, but I'm here for you. And let me know. Also, they put out that request that to say, listen, I'm open to be educated. But at the same time, don't feel like you have a responsibility to educate me, but I'm open to being educated. So if I do say something wrong or approach it the wrong way, please feel comfortable correcting me, but don't feel responsible for doing so. I mean, it's, it's a great way to cover your bases. Just say, listen, I might make a mistake. And I think setting that expectation gives you a little bit of grace for when it does happen. It's like, oh, Kwame said he's going to make a mistake. He made that mistake. I'm okay. <laughs> it's not as bad. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And uh, as you're talking and I keep thinking new situations are, are coming up in my head and 
I guess quickly going back to the example of your community, uh, I've noticed in a lot of the emails that I've seen from leaders at work, they'll say our black Googlers. So do you see the difference? Our, somebody who's one of us versus your, I'm not part of it. Like that's what's happening for you. So I, I just wanted to circle back to that real quick because I, I think that's a good example that kind of highlights the um, difference in, in, in how you frame to make it sound more inclusive. I love it. Great. And so let's, let's wrap up with this. So let's say there's a person out there who wants to create change in their company. Um, let's say the company has put out a statement because that is essentially industry standard at, at this point to, to put out some statement of support. So they've done that. And now the conversation has gone stagnant. Nobody has said anything else and that's it. What would you say would be their first step to get some internal momentum towards some positive change? It's really going to vary on the type of environment because uh, at some companies they have uh, employee resource groups. And by that, you know, like we have like the black Googlers network, the Asian Googlers network, uh, the Gaglers. Uh, there, there's, there are these communities internally that you can go to uh, that uh, have a direct line to leadership where uh, there's kind of a mechanism for being able to follow up. Whereas in other companies, it may be that first it starts with a conversation with your manager uh, and then your manager raises it with their manager and it may need to go up the chain. You could take the bold approach of sending an email directly to the CEO, uh, you know, and, and, and see how that goes for you. That um, could go a, a few different ways, but I encourage people, especially if you, if you do have a good relationship with your uh, direct manager, that you raise it with them first. And you probably are having some type of regular check-in, whether it's weekly or multiple times throughout the week. And so if there is a regular mechanism for checking in and you are not hearing back, you need to keep asking that question. That needs to be on the agenda every week until you get an answer. And if the manager wants to do their job and they want, and they want to be a good manager and maintain the trust and the relationship that they have with you, they're going to do what they can to follow up and, and, and get that answer. So I would say start there. Uh, if you do have maybe other folks, so maybe you have a mentor uh, internally in the company who's a bit more senior and, uh, and, and has a closer line to leadership. So maybe if you're having a conversation with them, you, you, uh, reach out and say, hey, I know that we talked about doing this. We're still not making progress or we haven't heard anything back. Like, how do we make that happen? Or can you help make that happen? Like maybe even task them directly since they are closer to leadership and are going to have more influence. Uh, that could work as well. So all in all, it's going to be a difficult conversation no matter what, but you should feel confident. It's particularly for an issue or topic that is important to you to be able to raise that with uh, the person that you're reporting to or raise that with uh, people that you're comfortable and maybe not so comfortable with uh, in your company. And then uh, also when there are conversations that are happening and, and people are kind of being snide about it and saying like, we haven't heard about that thing again. Uh, not just being a part of that complaining, but actually flipping it into a productive conversation. Like, yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. Do you guys know a good way or a good path for us to be able to get an answer to this or for us to be able to gain momentum on this? Is there someone that we can talk to? So take that negative conversation loop and flip that into a positive that results in action. And then at the end of that conversation, tie it back with cool. So you're going to follow up with so-and-so when, when do you think you're going to make that happen and get them to commit to taking whatever steps they need to take on their side. Oh, man, this is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I think uh, the one of the key terms you used was you have to feel confident in the conversation. And if you're struggling with confidence in this conversation, you should download the guide. The- <laughs> <laughs> so 
AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash justice. Um, that will get you access to the how to talk about race uh, conversation uh, starter there. And so, yeah, this is fantastic, Rich. I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking about this. And before you go, can you please let the listeners know about your top ranked, uh, highly ranked uh, podcasting careers and the exciting program you have coming up? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. So again, the podcast is Paychecks and Balances, or where we help millennials make money, save money, and get out of debt, all while having some fun along the way. So it is a combination of personal finance and career advice. We drop an episode every week. Back this week after a very uh, quick hiatus and uh, a lot to talk about. A lot in the world has changed since we were last uh, on the air, which is, which is kind of insane. I've noticed every time that we go for a break, something bad happens. So last time we took a break and then it was Corona. This time we take a break and then, you know, the what's happening now. So that's that. And then uh, also, I'm uh, in the process of creating a course for uh, job seekers. I've gotten a lot of questions about leveraging transferable skills and how to make a career move during a, a pandemic. And I've had a lot of people say, I don't have the confidence right now to make a move because I don't feel like I have the right skills to do that thing that uh, I really want to do. So uh, I have created a free five-step guide to changing your day job. So if you visit changeyourdayjob.com, you'll find that resource available there. And uh, do feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm all across social media at I am Rich Jones. Fantastic. Rich, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations.